Are sports the root of all evil? Coach is back. I have no beard, and he has got a rant for you this week on Iceman and Coach. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Iceman and Coach. This is Matt Freitz, the Iceman. That is the coach, Brad Powell. He is back after missing the last couple of weeks. We are reunited and with a lot less facial hair. Coach, it's good to see you, buddy. How you doing? Iceman, you look great, my friend. Uh, It looks good on you. You look 10 years younger. You look refreshed, rejuvenated, and happy to be here. You know, I did a little uh, grooming myself yesterday, and I got to tell you, it was borderline a traumatic experience. And it's funny because Ryan, you know, who I do pub time with, like, you know, he has had a beard for much longer than I ever have. And there's been a lot of times where he has a big old beard going. I see him next time and it's completely gone. I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, I tried to trim it, screwed it up. And this is just what I'm left with. And I really got to experience that for the first time because I'm like, all right, I got to thin this thing out. Let's get a little out of control. Um, You know, and I'm beginning to look like I might be homeless so let's let's take a little off this thing. And it's just every time it's like, oh, too much on this side. No, no. Next thing I know, buddy, like I'm left with what I got. And at one point in time, I'm like, I just need to whack it all off. But no, the wife wouldn't allow that. But I got to tell you what, it's really great to be back. Uh, life's been kicking the coach's ass lately and not not so much in like a negative way. Uh, it, it's all good stuff. Just life's been busy and um, lucky for us, I guess. This is sort of, uh, it's not like a peak sports time. I'd be, I'm bummed out missing the chance to get together. I'd, I'd be more bummed out if this was right in the heart of football season or something. But that doesn't mean there's any shortage of stories for us to talk about, man. Like we, we seem to always be able to find things that, that really sort of, they're kind of polarizing that we have strong opinions about and they're off the cuff or maybe outside the lines sort of stuff, sort of things. And uh, I guess that's just right up our alley. I mean, it is. This is a lull period. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, right now we have the Stanley Cup final and the NBA finals. And so within the next, what, 10 days, we'll know who those champions are. And that will be over. The baseball season is in full swing, every pun intended. And other than that, unless you're a big WNBA fan, which I know we probably should pay more attention to it. This is really that time of year where you have to kind of look and scrap for stories. But I think one of the one of the beauty or the benefits of being a podcaster is you kind of look for those things like they pop up, or at least I notice them more often. And this episode, I think, is kind of a perfect example of that. But before we get into it, first of all, what you missed in the last couple weeks is we finally launched INC Sports. Three different shows came out that somehow I was a part of without burning into dust. But we had baseball content, we had boxing content, and we had NBA content. And I got to tell you, man, it was a lot of fun. And it was awesome to see the other people shining. I know that this show has been about us so far but seeing three other people come out and really give their knowledge out to people and seeing, honestly, the audience react to it. I mean, we have surpassed 100 subscribers on YouTube, so a big thank you to everybody. I know that we said we were gonna do some kind of a giveaway, but honestly, it just surpassed and we're continuing to ascend. So it's been awesome to see that, so you missed it. But I want you to sort of peek behind the curtain a little bit for our listeners and our viewers and talk about what you've been what's been going on for you because it's been related to sports and it's been an awesome thing with Father's Day coming up. So the floor is yours to talk about this awesome journey you've been on with your daughter. So first of all, I want to say how lucky we are, uh, you specifically because of you're the one with these relationships, but that we have 
we have people, knowledgeable, willing people who have been willing to come on and share their passion for their respective sports uh, with our fan base and help grow it and be a part of all this. And then that's awesome because we've talked about it on the show time and time again that some of these niche sports have very, they may be small, but they are very passionate fan bases and they will find uh, their content that they're looking for. And that, that's really how shows like ours that are really building from the, the ground up become relevant as, as you, you kind of, you find your niche and you know, we're, we're pretty broad, but you have, we have all these little sub shows, we'll call them that are really focused on certain uh, niches in the sports world that are, are going to attract a lot of unique fans. And, and I'm really happy about that. But uh, to move on to, to what you're interested in here. So uh, my daughter Riley is seven and she's tried a multitude of sports in her short life between tumbling and soccer t-ball and now we are at uh the actual like softball age where it's just girls and we live in a really small town so the actual like league play like what i would call when i grew up you know you had house league where like it was just all the people from the town on different teams that played each other and then you had a travel team you had to try out for we're here there's only enough girls to make up one team so we play other small towns around the area and that's really neat but this is her first experience playing something where they're actually keeping score and it's it's competitive and you're trying to win. I cannot tell you, like, I cannot overstate how much I'm enjoying this. And not because I'm a sports junkie who loves competition, but because I'm watching her on her own without, I mean, I'll help her, I'll help her when she asks, um, but I don't get crazy about it because I coach for years and watch so many crazy parents ruin sports for their kids. And I just vow to not be that guy, but to watch her become that, just sit there and kind of, I'm helping coach and stuff, but like just to sit back and watch her cultivate her own passion for sports and for softball in this case is one of the most satisfying things that I I could ever, it's way more satisfying than I could have ever imagined. This is the type of stuff that you look forward to, right? When you become a parent is that when you get to this age where you can be a part of these things with your kid and, and share your passions with them and they become their passions. And that's what's happening right before my eyes. And these softball games, you know, they only last like an hour, but I wish they lasted forever. I mean, I could sit out there forever and I think she could too. And just to see the excitement on her face when she gets a hit, hell, even when she strikes out, she's just happy that she got to go up there and take a few hacks at it. Um, She's always asking, you know, about rules or how to do something a certain way. Like we got home from a game last Thursday and we pull in the driveway and it's 830 at night. She's like, can we go in the backyard and practice? And I actually, I told her, no, I'm like, I'm like, no, we need to go inside and wind down. Like, you know, I'm super pumped that you're passionate about this, but like, you know, at the same time, you know, I want to kind of keep a little moderation about it because I don't want her to get burnt out on it either. But yeah, it's a delicate dance, but just being out there, seeing her enjoy this, like I said, grow that passion herself is awesome. And to get to share that with her and, and to see all these other girls out there, I'm enjoying it way more than I would have ever anticipated. Like I knew it'd be fun, but it's, it's fulfilling on so many levels. Like it, it's just, I look forward to it. I mean, uh, t-ball, soccer. When I coached, we talked about soccer on here. Did not look forward to that stuff, man. Like, did not look forward to it at all. I mean, it was like hurting cats. It was not pleasant in the <laughs> slightest. But oh. this is fantastic, and and I love it so much. And um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it from time to time as the season goes on, and and hopefully for years to come. Uh, just kind of what this journey's like, but. I appreciate you giving me a platform to kind of just sit here and uh, drone on about it, but 
it's been incredible. Isn't that what this show is about, though? We always talk about the fact that we are for the every fan and the every fan is doing exactly what you're doing. And I think that sports is uniquely capable of being able to provide moments like this. I know that in the giant landscape of sports, when you talk about multi-billion dollar corporations and everything, sports has been corrupted. But at its most fundamental level, sports is pure. It's wonderful. And it can do a lot of things for people, especially young people, as they're trying to navigate their way through this world. And when you watch your children do that, as a parent, you try to give them a rudder by which they can navigate themselves. As they get older, you try to give them the tools. And those tools start at these softball practices, these softball games. Even if you're not coaching, you're there. Your presence matters. And these things, I think, are uniquely part of sports in ways that a lot of other things aren't. A lot of passions that adults have, like podcasting, for instance. My son has to be older for him to really get that and really be a part of it. Sports, you start so early and it starts out in its infancy and you start to watch them try to navigate being on a team and the social dynamics of all that. And then it clicks. And these are these are moments that you can't fabricate. You can't just go and make them up somewhere. They're organic and that's what you want out of it. And I wanted you to share that here because we've been so transparent about our families here, about our family life. And, and that's the, the cornerstone, the backbone of this show. If we don't acknowledge it and don't talk about it, then we're frauds, quite frankly. No, and you're 100% correct. And and really, it's one of the best parts is, is it is a family thing. It's not just me. My wife played uh, softball her entire life. Her dad was really into it with her and her dad passed away like when she was in high school, like right in the midst of probably the most one of the most relevant times in her softball career. So she really, like, this is an emotional thing for her to just be a part of it, not just watching me and Riley uh, relate to each other through the process, but the fact that, you know, she played softball. She went to college and played college softball for a little while. And, you know, so she's excited to share her knowledge and her passion with Riley. And just all of it all together is, it's been great for our family in a lot of ways because, as you know, being a parent and many of you out there, especially when your kids are young, life gets hard sometimes, right? It just feels like every day is just a grind. And between work and being a parent and everything else you might have going on in your life, you know, my wife's in nursing school right now, getting near the end. There's a lot of crap going on in our lives. And this is something that makes it busier, but busier in the best kind of way. And it's something that's really kind of like pulled our family together in a lot of ways. And it's sort of a, a, not that, I mean, we have a great life, but it's sort of that like little, like that shining light every week that we get to share together that brings us together in that passion. It, it's fantastic. And uh, I, I could use every adjective in the world to describe it. But those of you who have experienced it yourselves know exactly what I'm talking about. These will be the moments, though, that she pulls from when you are long gone and she has a family of her own, hopefully, right? But hypothetically, these are the types of things that she will remember. And there's only so many years that you have with your kids to make that indelible impression. Because for the longest time, you're a superhero to them. And as they get older, you become less so. You Your role changes. And you're in a unique position now to be able to enjoy this and relate. And I know that as a parent of a son, I don't know what that girl-dad dynamic is like. And I'm sure it can be difficult at times because it's not something that you're used to living. This is a place where your Venn diagrams come together and you're experiencing that. And I, I really... I've been touched by it, and we haven't been able to really talk about it all that much up until today, and it's just been awesome because the way that this show works and and the way that it has to work all the time is that we are family men first. 
And I get asked a lot about this. Why do we do this? We don't get paid to do this. We're not doing this for a living. Why do you do it? And it's like, there's so many things that go into that. It makes my life better. It makes your life better. And it becomes woven into all the other stuff that we have. If I didn't do this, do you know how much free time I would have? I'd have a lot of free time. What would I do though? I'd fill it up with something else that made it more busy and more fun. And I think that you're spot on with that. And I'm happy that you're enjoying that. I'm happy that you're able to talk, to talk about it here. And it's just, to me, it enriches the show so much. And I'm glad that you're able to do it. And I hope that we can get more updates. But if you're listening or watching and you have a story like this, we'd love to hear it. Do not forget, you can call or text the show. Area code 703-718-6314 is the number to do that. We'd love to hear these stories, play them on air, give you and your dynamic a little bit of shine because honestly, there's not enough talk about the family in this country anymore. And I think that hearing those stories, it can inspire. So we would love to hear from you. But I wanna get into some sports, my man. Are you ready to talk? And we talk niche sports, we're ready. Are you ready? Yes, I absolutely am. Let's go, buddy. All right, let's do it. So you talked about softball. And right now, the College World Series is happening, both in men's baseball and women's softball. Women's softball is a sport that I almost never hear about unless there's a really dominant team or the Olympics are here. Now, even in the Olympics, softball was done with, right? For a few years, I think they're bringing it back or they did bring it back. Right now, though, in women's softball, there is a team that I don't think has ever been seen and is unprecedented in the Oklahoma Sooners. And I'm sure that you're tangentially familiar with their dominance. Yeah, I mean, I know that they've been tearing people up for sure recently. I, I'm not fully aware of all the details, but statistically, which I'm sure that's your niche and you're about to fill me in, I'm sure. Yes, as a matter of fact, I am. But the thing is, is their dominance has gone kind of under the radar the last few years. And what has happened basically over the last mm, 15 years or so, they've become the Connecticut Huskies, essentially, of women's softball. But their their dominance is so, oh, it's just so spectacular. And you and I both know that we love the underdog, but sometimes you have to give props to these teams that are just flat out better than everybody. So I want to read just some of the stats of this year's team. Keep in mind, they're going for, I believe, their third straight national championship or fourth straight because I don't think there was one in 2020. They have been dominant for a while, and now they're finally getting national attention, even though they've been doing this for a while. So right now, I think they're 55-2, and two, which in a sport like softball, you know this with baseball, so many fluke things happen. So to have 57 games and lose two, and from what I understand, those two losses were on short rest and off of like a back-to-back -back or something like that. So they had them at a disadvantage, and they were both ranked teams that they lost to. So 55-2 and two right now, and they're on, I think, a 49 or 50-game win streak. Just think about that for a minute. 50 games. That's what, a quarter or more of a baseball season? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> insane. Like you said, when you consider all of the little the little things, a ball bouncing one way or the other. I feel like baseball, I was talking to some friends about this uh, because the high school, the high school uh, baseball softball tournaments are kind of wrapping up here, culminating here uh, locally in Illinois. And there were a couple of games we were talking about. And one of them, you know, talking about stats, there's a local team, Peoria, Illinois, local high school team, not known to be a baseball powerhouse by any means. They're very good at basketball and stuff, not a baseball school. They went eight and 23 in their regular season. And then it, they won their regional championship and they lost, a team had to come back and beat them in the sectional championship. They just got hot at the right time and had the right things happening. And I said, are, is there anything else like baseball? And I think even basketball, baseball and basketball are two sports where 
really, truly, anybody can beat anyone on any given day. Like football, it's too football's too physical. Where like if your team is the more physically strong dominant team, it's really hard to overcome that. Not that people don't, but it's more difficult. Softball, baseball, basketball, the ball can roll, the ball can bounce a certain way. You get a hot shooter, a hot pitcher, and anything is possible. And and that's one of the most exciting things about it. And that's what makes this streak by Oklahoma or the record so impressive because they've been, I guarantee you, things have not always gone their way and they've been talented enough to overcome it. Not to mention the fact that apparently they replaced who was like the preeminent player of all time, Jocelyn Alo. She had 122 career home runs in her collegiate career. 122 home runs in amateur softball. And you even talked about when in football, you have two teams that are just not physically you know, matched up against each other. And especially at the amateur level, those differences and that chasm gets even wider. So you talk about in amateur sports now. So they, they replace all these people. Apparently they had a lot of turnover. Well, I just want to give you some stats here. Their team average is 369. So their team average is almost 400. They have three girls hitting over 400 in their starting lineup. Keep in mind, the last person to do that was Ted Williams, and that was like 70 years ago. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, because especially, and I think with with softball, when you consider how small, the the diamond is very small and compact. It's a fast game. It's a great game to watch because the pitch, yeah, if you watch a radar gun, it's not coming in. You know, it's not, you're not going to see the numbers you're seeing from college baseball pitchers, even high school baseball pitchers. One, the trajectory of the ball makes it extremely difficult. The distance is is not great. I don't know what it is officially, but it's not very far. And that ball gets on you in a hurry. I mean, it's essentially the equivalent of a 90 mile an hour fastball from 60 feet, six inches away. When that ball's in play, man, like it's just instant chaos. I mean, and I, chaos isn't a great word, but everything happens so damn fast. And, and just it's, the bases are close enough that you could beat out a grounder to short. It's like a 50-50 play, right? There's no guarantees that a, a routine ground ball is going to be an out. Like, you have to be on top of it. And it, it's almost the opposite of baseball. Baseball sort of a, a lazy game in a lot of ways, especially at the pro level. It feels that way. You know, the field's very large, and the game's a little slow. Softball is not that, man. Not at all. And it's wonderful. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is like everything is a lot faster and so there's a lot more pressure. So they've also scored 515 runs in 57 games, which is 100 more runs than the next best team. 100 more runs. There are some teams who just probably haven't even scored 100 runs all season and they've 100 more than the next place team. But they not only hit well, they lead the league in team ERA. Their team ERA, this is almost laughably stupid, 0.80 is their team ERA. That's nuts. I mean, and that's one thing that's interesting, too, about softball is you could have a dominant pitcher that and, and in softball, you can pitch every day because of the arm motion. You, you know, you don't it doesn't have the same wear and tear on your body and on your shoulder and everything else like traditional baseball does. And, you know, that's one advantage, I guess, that comes to baseball is if you can weather the ace, you can get yourself in you know deeper into the rotation and see a lesser pitcher softball. You get the ace every day. And to think about that, though, to be on your game every single day, every time out, and, and to, to hold up an ERA that's impressive like that over time as a program is just ridiculous. Yes. So these are the two stats that I think are the most impressive and also will make you laugh. Statistically speaking, and people have done these actual calculations based off of their dominance, They first of all, they've shut out 32 teams this year, which is nuts. So you've got 55 wins and 32 shutouts. So that's great. But when their opponents step out on the field, 
Statistically speaking, they have a 3% chance to win before the pitch has even been pitched, okay? So that's amazing. And that has to be something that gets in your head. Like, I know that all these teams and coaches want to say, like, it doesn't matter who we're playing. We're going to go out there and play our game. But this is way different. Like, this is a team that has everything that you don't. And you have to have literally everything go right and still pray. So there's that. But also, every single time Oklahoma steps out in the field, they have a 61.4% chance to win by the mercy rule because that's how often they have mercy ruled team this year. And so I wanted to bring it up here because it's not a sport anybody really talks about unless you know it. And I'm sure that your wife is probably tangentially aware of these, you know, these teams and these dynamics and all that. But like, that's amazing. And those ladies need to get props somewhere. And why not here? Yeah, I mean, I didn't even, they have a freaking mercy rule, man, in yes. NCAA softball. Yes. That's great. Probably because of teams like this. Yep. They've won some games like 20 to nothing, the mercy rule, and they just end the game because that's how bad it gets. My goodness. I tell you what, the secret to to being dominant, in my opinion, is that you have to coach your kids. When you come out, you've got to establish that dominance immediately because everybody wants a shot at the champ, right? Until you get out there and actually, you know, feel the heat a little bit. And if that's where these upsets happen, is that if you give somebody hope, like hope's a powerful thing. If you give somebody hope that they have a chance, crazy things can happen. When you're the top dog, you've got to come out and make that known immediately. Like you got to come out and be dominant right off the gate. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to be on top of it. But the thing is, I guarantee you, in this case, like if Oklahoma, if they come out and they dominate for the first three innings, the game's over, right? I mean, like the other team is they've packed their, they've packed their bags. They're done. They've realized they stand no chance. And, and that's the secret though, I think to, to dominance and dominance over the long haul. And this is total side note, but it, it makes me think of that story. Um, we heard about Kobe Bryant in the Olympics of Pau Gasol. Have you seen that clip or whatever, where he's like, I'm going to go out there and I know what play they're going to run. And Pau's going to set a pick and I'm going to run right through his chest because he wanted to set right, set the tone right away that I'm here to win that I'm the top dog, I'm better than you. This isn't, you, you, I may, you may be my buddy or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Like, this is serious and it's important to me. And it, you kind of have to do that. When you're, when you're the alpha, that's what you have to do right out of the gates. That's a good point. And I didn't think about that, but it's a perfect segue into our next topic. So before we move on, though, I want to say to the Lady Sooners, I hope that you continue that dominance. I know that some people will say it's not good for the sport, but honestly, I think that the more women's teams that there are that get this kind of shine, the better. And so I hope that they keep her, keep being dominant because you know what? It might get some poor schlep like me to actually tune in to watch their dominance because they are that good. But speaking of fan bases that think that they're dominant but have not had a lot of success lately, and that is your favorite city of Boston. Boston has had a very, very unique past few weeks. Actually, I would say probably past six weeks. So in that time frame the historic Bruins lost to a plucky Florida Panthers team who is now in the Stanley Cup final. And the other day, the Boston Celtics, who were down 0-3 to the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, won three straight to get to Game 7, only to lose Game 7 at home by 20 points. And on top of that, apparently in the NCAA Lacrosse Championship, Women's Lacrosse Championship, Northwestern beat Boston College to take home that prize. So... Boston has not had a good time of it. And I would venture a guess that nationally, everybody's celebrating. Yeah, nationally, Boston is easy to root against. I personally, I don't have 
I don't have a lot of shade to throw at City of Boston. You know, I really I was rooting for them in '04 when they won the World Series. Being an underdog, being a Cubs fan, I, I root. I love people overcoming history, right? Like the long championship droughts and things like that. Unless it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, apparently. But you know, at the same time, it's not so much the franchises in Boston that I have a problem with. It's the fan bases. I mean, they they've become so arrogant and have anointed themselves, right? Um, and title town and whatever else. Yep. And it, it's nice to see karma work its way around the block and put people like that in their place and give them a little taste of what it's like to not be at the top of the food chain for once. Is that what it is, though, when you get to a city that is mostly disliked on a national level? At some point, it becomes the fans almost 100% of the time, right? Like, it's there are teams that you end up hating or loving to hate, and there are teams. I mean, the bad boy Pistons are a perfect example. Those guys played rough. They were they were just assholes, basically. And that's how they wanted to be portrayed, and that's how they played. And sure, you can hate on a team, but I think mostly the fans, especially when success comes, and that's really the crux of this, is the fact that, let's take the Celtics, for instance. On Basketball U last week with Matt, I said that the Celtics are like the Cowboys of the NBA. They lean on all of that history, all those championships from a very long time ago. They have won championship since 1986, and that's not getting it done. And for you to have a lot of bravado and not really have those results, your fans become more like assholes every single second because there isn't a lot of results in in the now that justify that feeling. And man, I, every time this comes up, I always feel like I, I escape some sort of like a a prisoner situation or something because you would think that I would be all about this, right? That I would be all in Boston camp and I would be a homer. And yet I'm not because I see it for what it is. But I want to tell you that I had an epiphany last week after the recording was over. I realized what my problem is. And I want you to bear with me. So the Boston Celtics have had or had unprecedented success in the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. They won what, 16 or 17 championships? I can't remember what the number is. And they had 40 years, basically, of success to the point that they won almost half of the championships in that time period. That's pretty amazing. The New England Patriots for 20 years with Tom Brady won six Super Bowls. The Red Sox have had four World Series in the last 20 years. And the Bruins in the 70s were great. And they've only had one Stanley Cup since then. But it's a lot of success for one city. And outside of maybe New York and L.A., has any other city really had that kind of success? And for these fans to not realize that and still act this way, that's my problem. And I finally can articulate it. I feel free. I'm Salvation is here. Well, it's nice that uh, you feel liberated from your, your Boston fandom or, or, I don't know, hatred of Boston fandom. But you're right. When I sit here and think about it, what, what other city has been fortunate enough to win as many championships across all sports as Boston. And like you said, outside of looking like going way back in, you know, New York and Los Angeles and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know if there is another city, you know, I was kind of sitting there kicking around for a little bit. I'm like, well, like, you know, Pittsburgh and the Steelers and the people, but the pirates have been terrible for a really long time. And the penguins have been good, obviously, but yeah. I'm saying the amount of success that they've had over what, 70 years, no city can claim that. And no, all the cities that do have fans that have the same problem. But actually, Yankees fans, at least I think, are a little bit more humbled because of what happened in 04. I don't know if I'd go that far. I would almost, without 
honestly spending a lot of time around either one of these fan bases personally, I would have to say on the scale of insufferableness, the Yankees fans are probably worse than Red Sox fans. Ooh. You don't think so? I don't know. I mean, well, you think Yankees you, fans are more like sophisticated? Is that what it is? Are, are Red Sox fans just a bunch of dudes from Southie or what? Time out. First of all, I did not say sophisticated. And <laughs> that is, that, that's not. But I think what's going to end up happening here is we're going to let the YouTube gods decide this because that clip is going to be put out and we're going to find out which fan base is more obnoxious. But I think that each fan base probably has their section of the fandom that is awful. And I think if you're looking at which one is worse, it's hard to argue that the Red Sox fans or like Boston fans now aren't worse right now because they've had more success recently. Like the Yankees, they won a World Series in 2009. I think the the Giants won a Super Bowl in 2011. So it's been a little bit since there has been championship success there. And for the Rangers, it's been way longer than that. The Red Sox have had a couple of World Series and Super Bowls in that time period. So there's recent success. And so for this attitude to be so horrible, I mean, I get it. Your teams lose. And we talked about this, I think, the last time we were on here, maybe two times before when, you know, it's about fandom and how far do you go. But that's it. That's it. And so for them to have all of this, all of this sadness because their teams are losing, I think it's a good thing for the fan base. And I say that with the nicest intentions. For seriously, except for you, guy from Southeast, screw you. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's funny because I hear locally, like you know, one of the you know, kind of the closest dynamics that I can think of would be like Bears fans, Packer fans. Um, obviously, the Packers have the championships to show for. You know, that's a big one. This area, uh, Cubs and Sox, Cubs and White Sox, and and that's one that I think that I don't know, man. If you're a White Sox fan, if you you live in Chicago and you're a White Sox fan, you must just hate yourself. And just subject yourself to like punishment. Like it's the only way I can explain it. And then, you know, Cubs and Cardinals is a big thing. And that's one thing that's interesting about, you know, the state of Illinois is if you live in Chicago, it's straight up Cubs socks. Like they don't, I mean, they don't give a shit about the Cardinals if you live in Chicago. It's Cubs socks. But the rest of the state of Illinois, you're either a Cubs fan or a Cardinals fan. And it's a very interesting dynamic. And that that is sort of one of those where there is a, and rightfully so. But there certainly is a level of arrogance that comes along with being a Cardinals fan amongst Cubs fans. Uh, stereotypically, I would say that most Cardinal fans are those that kind of walk around with their nose turned up in the air a little bit. Now, that's from a Cubs fan perspective. But I will say this, though. Realistically, Cardinals fans are some of the best fans in all of sports, not just baseball. They're very knowledgeable about the game. They appreciate greatness, even if, if, even if it comes from someone who's not on their team. Cubs fans are a mix of people who are passionate about the game and then people who wanted to do the cool thing, you know, about 15 years ago when the Cubs sort of started becoming a little competitive and relevant, and, and they just kind of clung on to it because they lived in Chicago or Illinois somewhere. You know what's great about that is when I did Flashing the Leather with my boy Jonesy, he talked about how the Cardinals weren't doing very well this year, and he was very happy about it. So there are some teams that you just love to hate. I guess it depends on your perspective. But so that is my salvation. And I, I know that there is a topic coming up that is going to bring you salvation. And you brought this topic up to me offline and you were hot about it. I actually haven't seen you this hot about it since you talked about Canada a few weeks back. But it's about the Kentucky men's baseball team, I believe, in the College World Series. And they're a number one seed in their region. And I guess apparently they made it to their super region or whatever it's called there. I can't keep track of all those things, but I get that 
you know, these things happen. And I think the university was in a unique position where they had to accommodate these teams that are coming in. And I don't think that they've really ever had to do that. I'm not really sure that they're built to do that. And the story that I saw was that they were using dorm rooms to accommodate these sports teams. Now, the thing that got on you on the hot trail of being pissed off was the comment section on this particular article. So I'm going to let you elaborate on this because it really pertains to my opening question. Are sports evil incarnate, basically? I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. Okay, so in the NCAA world of Division One baseball, they separate, they, they put you in four-team regionals, okay? So the, whoever, I, I want to say there are 16 regionals that get assigned, so the top 16 teams host a regional. So three other teams come to their site, and they, they play amongst themselves, and, and one person advances. So Kentucky happened to play well enough this year to become a a number one seed in a regional host. Now, mind you, the University of Kentucky's baseball team has not even qualified for the College World Series tournament since 2017. So it's not like this is something with, that they are used to doing. Like, you know, their baseball team is not this well-established national powerhouse by any means who would be counting on this sort of thing happening. They end up being, now I don't know where they rank amongst those number, those 16 number one seeds. I'm not sure. I don't know how big of a surprise this was to them. But, you know, they found out on May 28th that they were going to be hosting a regional. That's when the assignments came out. And this is like literally days in advance of it actually happening. Well, there was a music festival going on at the same time in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. And so all of the hotels were booked. And so there was nowhere for the other three visiting teams to stay. And so they ended up, the University of Kentucky, the NCAA, I'm sure helped. Uh, they put them up in dorm rooms at, at the university. I don't really see a problem with this. They made the best of a unfortunate situation. Just really a coincidence. I don't even know that anything I've read are, has people like complaining about the fact that this happened. I, I don't think that the world of college baseball believes that they should have kicked people out of their hotel rooms to accommodate and facilitate uh, these visiting programs. But I saw a lot of comments of people, you know, saying like, oh, boo-hoo, whiners, oh, too bad, you have to, you, you've got to stay in the dorm rooms and the world doesn't just stop for you and, and shit like that. And I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, I, it's such, it's such an uneducated response. It's such an, just a poorly thought out response that's, that's disregarding all facts. That's based purely in emotion. And hey, I'm an emotional guy, but this, there, there's zero, like this is purely sour grapes. There's a certain segment of the population that for whatever reason um, really frowns upon anything in the sports world. And I'm sure it stems from things that they experienced as a child or through high school and dumb jocks and whatever. There's assholes that come in every shape, size, color, brand, whatever, like not just sports people. You know, I, I just, it just felt like these were really poor takes about something that was really just an unfortunate coincidence. It didn't have anything to do with people whining or complaining at all. The music festival, I'm sure, was booked for a year. You know, they have full right to those hotel rooms. The university made the best of the situation. Dorm rooms are perfectly fine, in my opinion to house a college baseball team. I mean, hell, it's what most of these guys live in anyways. Like, I don't see an issue with that at all. But for people to raise, raise such a stink about it 
and and almost celebrate the fact that they felt like this was sticking it to the sports establishment in some way. It was just so weak, weak, man, really weak. I didn't get the impression reading the article that they somehow displaced students to make this happen or that they did anything out of the ordinary. I think it was just reporting that hey, they had to use dorm rooms to do this. And I think it was a local or local newspaper or a local publication that even talked about it. It wasn't something that made national ESPN news from what I understand. And it was just fascinating to see that vitriol. And you're right, it was like a victory lap. And look, there are aspects of sports and you even put it just now, there are aspects of everything. You and I could go into podcasting and find people that are not great. We could go into our jobs and find people that are not great. Doesn't matter. Everywhere, every walk of this earth, you're going to find somebody that doesn't jive with who you are. I got picked on when I was younger. The jocks didn't like me. I wasn't particularly athletic, but I wasn't unathletic. I just peaked at a certain time and I didn't play high school sports, but I was treated differently because I was intelligent and got good grades. I love sports still because those people are not representative of what it really means. And I think that you've hit on a nerve that is a national thing. I think there are a lot of people for whom sports is negative because of certain other factors. I can even give you a personal example. My mom hated sports when she was with my dad because of how passionate of a fanatic he was about sports. And again, I can recognize that, yeah, he was a little insane about it, had to tape every Red Sox game, which, oh my God, 162 baseball games, had to watch every Patriots game. She didn't understand that. And so for her, sports was bad. And anybody who participates in sports is bad. And if they participate in a way that she doesn't understand, that's bad. And she would have definitely been one of these people at one point in her life who said this. But sports is still a good thing. Again, if you take away the humanity of it or the human pieces of it, it's the same thing. And they did make an unfortunate situation work out. And for these college kids, I'm sure that they are thankful to just have some place to stay that's warm with a roof over their head. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree. And and I'm sure I'm not going to put it past some local reporter in Lexington, Kentucky to sit there and take it as an opportunity to take a shot at the city for some reason and be like, this second rate city doesn't have enough hotels to facilitate crowds like this. Shame on you. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened, but that's all that's someone with an agenda that's doing that. That doesn't really, that doesn't play to the facts of the situation at all. The one thing I've never understood about sports, sports critics is like, why do people care so much about a stupid game, right? You hear that. Oh, I, whatever. Care so much about a ball or a score, who wins or loses. It's not any less important than caring about a movie franchise, a TV show, uh, a book series, uh, a certain artist, a genre of music. I mean, we go on and on. Any hobby, podcasting, whatever it may be. I mean, it's just a matter of it's something that's it's something that's ingrained in the fabric of American culture. It's something that an overwhelming amount of our population enjoys participating in. It's something that an overwhelming amount of our population uh, pays to go watch in person, uh, spends numerous hours of their free time watching it on television, and generates absurd amounts of income (laughs) for the communities that it exists in, in many cases. I understand that people may get upset at the fact that they see something that maybe they don't understand or they don't like that is so big and so important to others. But uh, that'd be like someone like me getting mad if, I don't know, I'm trying to think of even like a remotely equivalent example, like 
getting mad at uh, a Maple Leafs fan no. for rooting for their team. No, like that'd be me like getting pissed off if there were hotel rooms booked and so all the people coming to the Comic-Con locally or whatever you call it didn't have a hotel room to stay in and be like, serves you right, nerds. Like, I would <laughs> never say that. You know, it's it's just so stupid. Like, I would, I would never say that a million years. Like, I, hey, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into, man. Like, I don't, I just don't understand the, the vitriol. Title of the episode right there, Serves You Right Nerds. That's totally happening. I agree. I think that there is an inherent toxicity to sports, though, that we need to recognize because over the last how many years, how many times have we had to talk about a story that is embedded in awfulness? I mean, Deshaun Watson, all the money that gets spent on all of these universities and the kids don't see a dime, right? And you see, here are these stories and that probably has something to do with it. We're so much more into everything because we have all the news and we have all the information. And I'm sure that that helps to formulate people's opinions. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to rant. It's been a while and I know you were passionate about it. So I wanted to give you the chance, but I want to move on to our last topic of the day. And this is kind of related because you talked about a reporter taking the chance to give their agenda. And there is a man out there right now who is a famous basketball player, world famous basketball player, who has been on an agenda for quite a while. And I'm sure you know this man. His name is Scottie Pippen. Are you familiar? I believe I've heard of him. One of the 75 greatest players in NBA history, a six-time NBA champion, and he's a Hall of Famer. He has all the accolades that anybody could ever ask for playing professional basketball, and he has been on this rampage against Michael Jordan. His latest thing, he's been making the rounds, and he, he was quoted as saying that Michael Jordan was a bum before he got there that the team wasn't any good, and it wasn't until he got there that the team was better. And I'm just, I'm baffled, and I want your opinion on why do you think that somebody who has everything that he has would be so angry so much after the fact about Michael Jordan, who actually went out of his way to make him look pretty decent in the last dance? It seems very petty, and I feel like it takes away from his legacy at some point. Yeah, I feel like in the last, the last dance, the only things that Jordan took shots at him for were like legit things. Sitting that, out the play. Yeah, that, like just stuff that any competitive person would have a problem with. Uh, other than that, he didn't really have anything negative to say about the guy. He wasn't like, oh, I don't like Scotty, whatever. Without Michael Jordan, there's no Scotty Pippen. I mean, without Michael Jordan, we probably don't even know who the hell Scotty Pippen is. And we'll never know that, obviously, because of the way, you know, we can't rewrite history. But I don't know if he just has an inferiority complex, if he thinks so highly of himself that he feels like he was robbed of a chance to be the guy by the fact that he played with the guy. I, I really can't put my finger on what it is. I Just years later, why wouldn't you just ride off into the sunset, man, with your six rings and, and live your life and be happy? I don't understand like why you would want to take shots. I mean, in my opinion, now I shouldn't say, I, I want to say this, Michael Jordan is the undisputed greatest player of all time in my defense. I can't say undisputed though, because it's heavily disputed, but I, I, but I think, I mean, I feel like it's just so cut and dry. That's why I say it that way. And can't you just be happy to, to have been a part of it, man. And to, to see it up close and personal front row seats. And, and yeah, I, I want to say that maybe Scottie Pippen knows a version of Michael Jordan that the rest of us don't, but I feel like Michael Jordan, the person and, and what he's about is pretty much out there clearly in the public eye, like the good, bad, the ugly. And, uh, I'll say this, though, for years, anytime I, you hear stories about celebrities being decent people, treating fans well, so on and so forth, 
almost every article I've read like that says Scottie Pippen is an asshole. It has some story in there <laughs> about how Scottie Pippen is a gigantic asshole. Um, like terrible to service workers, you know, limo drivers, hotel staff, waiters, whatever the case may be, just a total asshole to people. And and I'm one of those people like I judge you off of how you treat the janitor. I don't care how you treat the CEO. Everybody kisses the CEO's ass. How do you treat the janitor when nobody else is around? You know what I mean? Like that's who you are. And Scottie Pippen, from all accounts, based off literally everything I've I've ever read about the guy, is a complete dick. You have definitely hit something that I've talked about before. What people are like behind closed doors and as you pointed out, how they treat the help, quote unquote. And I, I wonder about this, but my I guess my larger point, and I want to also educate you too. Apparently, Michael Jordan's son, who owns a very prestigious sneaker store in North Carolina, is dating Scottie Pippen's ex. So I'm sure that there's maybe a little bit of animosity there. That's weird. It is a little weird, but I just don't understand what happens here. I mean, it would be one thing if their relationship ended tumultuously, publicly, tumultuously, but Michael Jordan retired after they won their sixth championship. And all of this is coming up so late. And I I feel like it's an attempt for a celebrity or a former celebrity to be relevant again, because really, a lot of these NBA stars from years past, decades past, they're not really relevant anymore. The game has passed them by, even though Scottie Pippen was voted into the top 75 of all time. This is not his league anymore. And I guess maybe this is some way for him to be relevant and make people or fans remember who he is. People are going to remember who the greats were. And Scottie Pippen was great. Do not get me wrong. Just because you're number two to the guy doesn't mean that you're not great. He wouldn't be voted in as one of the best players of all time and be a Hall of Famer if he wasn't great. It's just a really poor look for me. And I don't understand this. And you know, Jim Brown passed away two weeks ago and the guy was never like that, right? The greats are not like this. The greats, I mean, they are who they are great for a reason. And Michael Jordan was one kind of great. And he was very open about the fact. And then they ended the last dance with, you don't want to play that way? Don't play that way. That was him, right? And Jim Brown was on the other side of that where he's like, I'm going to fight for all these different things. And so it's a really strange look for me, man. I just want to get your thoughts, though, because I know you're a big Jordan guy, as am I. And also you're big on be who you are and just own it. And I guess Scottie Pippen's owning it. Yeah, if you're the best, you don't have to tell anybody. They'll tell you, right? And um, I just don't know why he feels the need to be out there, like, pleading his case. What are we, 20-something years later? You know, going on 30 years, I guess. I mean, it just seems absurd. It seems like something like that would be below someone like Scottie Pippen, but apparently not. I mean, be more like John Stockton, Scotty. Be content being the number two guy on a, a great team that played with a great player. And a COVID denier. So I guess we can add that to the list as well. But so there you go, coach. Scottie Pippen having himself a day. And you know what? Maybe one day we'll have to talk about John Stockton, but we're reaching the end of the episode. And so that means it is time for... As usual, every single week, it is time for Of the Week segment. Coach is back, so we have both Iceman Stat of the Week and Coach's Pick of the Week and Coach. Iceman Stat of the Week is something that you and both Ryan from Pub Time are going to like. Are you familiar with beer? I'm very, very familiar with beer. I consider myself 
a connoisseur of sorts. This is good news. So the other day I was perusing the internet and I came across a milestone day in baseball history, but it was a day that I'd forgotten about. Does the date June 4th, 1974 mean anything to you? Afraid not, sir. Well, this date marks the 10-cent beer night between the Cleveland Indians, or the former Cleveland Indians, and the Texas Rangers. And this is infamous for many, many reasons, including and not up to a riot that happened during the game, because I'm sure you can guess that 10-cent beer was not a good thing. Now, a couple of particulars about this. They were only allowed to buy six at a time, but there was no limit on how many people could buy for the entirety of the game. And so that brings me to my stat of the week. During this game, oh, this is great, 60,000 Genesee beers were sold at 10 cents each. There were 50 police officers, 19 streakers, seven emergency room injuries, nine arrests, two bare asses, and one sports writer got punched in the jaw. So one of the best baseball games of all time marred by this particular incident. I thought you and Ryan would really enjoy that. Can you give me that date again? June 4th, 1974. 4th, 1974. I'm writing this down just in case time travel ever becomes possible because that's one of the first places I'm going. You know, I had like places like the signing of the Declaration of Independence, the Gettysburg Address, Kurt Gibson's home run, but I might have to move June 4th, 1974 to the top of the list. <laughs> it's just, I was like reading about it and there's so many different things that happen like in sports, these little moments. And you hear about like the one night, I can't remember what, what franchise it was, but they had, it was like disco night or something like that. And that infamously is the night that that genre actually died because people came out and were burning their albums and stuff like that. And so when I saw this one, it was just like 10 cent beer night. I actually saw a great quote. Apparently, do you remember Tim Russert? No. Well, Tim Russert was a guy who was uh, Meet the Press. He was the host of Meet the Press. And he actually had, he died of a heart attack, I don't know, like 15 years ago or something. And he was actually at that game. And he said his famous quote was, I was there with $2 in my pocket. So you do the math. So imagine how many beers he had over the course of that night. It was just I'm th trying to think of what that would be like. I did see that it was like, it would basically be the equivalent of 65 cent beer night right now. And can you imagine what that would be like at a major league park right now? Oh, it'd be incredible. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it'd be mass chaos. No, you're absolutely right. It would be chaos. It would be, there'd be way more than two bare asses, I guarantee. And without rules, there are chaos, my friend. And that is just not something that we could, oh, we could not do that. There's just, there's no way we could do that. So what a great stat. I just was like, you know what? I'm going to throw the coach a little bit of a bone and throw the pub time audience a little bit of a bone. But you know what, man? It's time for something else. And the sounds of those glorious trumpets means it is time for Coach's Pick of the Week. Last time we were here, he had a rant against Canada and we gave our undying love to the Florida Panthers only for him to pick the Carolina Hurricanes to beat the Florida Panthers in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, dropping him to a very, very, very awful two and six. And coach, it is now time for you to bless us with another picketh of the week. Oh, hear ye, hear ye. I feel wonderful saying those words for the first time in a few weeks. Gambling degenerates, 10 cent beer fans alike, welcome to coach's pick of the week. And if you didn't realize, you know, we did a little reverse psychology with the pick last time, right? Because we talked long and hard about how much we liked the Panthers. And so we were forced, I was forced to pick the Canes and it worked in our favor. 
although it may reflect as a loss in the record, I'm chalking that one up as a win. So moving into this week to highlight a sport that we've talked about a little bit today, college baseball. The College World Series is currently happening right now around the country. And I believe eight teams will eventually make their way to Omaha, Nebraska for the uh, final rounds. But in what they are calling uh, the, oh, hell, I don't even know what it's called. If it's like the super regional qualifier or something. Uh, You know me, I like, you know, teams. I always kind of gravitate towards teams that are a little off the radar in terms of your big college sports teams. And this one happens to be. kind of near and dear to me in terms of the Missouri Valley Conference where my beloved Bradley Braves play uh, college basketball and college baseball. But the Indiana State Sycamores are actually the number 14 ranked team in the country right now in college baseball. And they will be taking on the TCU Horned Frogs in a best of three series. Uh, I believe the winner will make their way to Omaha. I, sir, am taking the Indiana State Sycamores over the TCU Horn Frogs to qualify for the college, the official College World Series. He thinks because he doesn't know what it's actually called, but the Indiana State Larry Birds over the TCU Horn Frogs in the College World Series regional super thing, whatever the hell it means. So let it be written, coach. So let it be done. All right, it's officially, it's a super regional. The, the pods of four were regionals. This is actually a super regional, so that's official. And then the, the last part is called the actual College World Series. I mean, the whole tournament's a College World Series, but yeah, I, I said, I think it's eight teams that qualify, it looks like. I don't know. But the NSA Sycamores are going. That's all I know. I cannot stress enough, do not put any money on these picks whenever you go to FanDuel or wherever it is that you put your gambling money down because... How can you take advice from a guy who doesn't know the name of the tournament that he's picking a game from? But, Coach, we've reached the end of the episode somehow. Do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners and and viewers? Well, first of all, I want to say, Iceman, that's great advice. You should never, ever, <laughs> ever stake any uh, financial wagers on oh. anything you hear come out of my <laughs> mouth. If that ever changes, I'll be the first one to let you know. Um, that being said, it's a really enjoyable episode. I, I really like the topics we talked about. They're things that... They're things I would find myself talking about in daily conversation with other sports fans. And that's why I really like what we do here is I, I think that we are just the embodiment of your average Joe who is a dad that is a sports fan but doesn't have time to sit there and study all the stats and this and that that just likes interesting stories, talking about, you know, family things and going on rants about Canada and Kentucky baseball haters. Yeah, this is definitely a fun time for me. And I know that we're not experts at this, but we have a great time doing it. And honestly, one of the reasons that we started INC Sports, a perfect time to plug this with basketball, you, the cornerman and flashing the leather coming out recently is that we have a lot of people and friends who are very passionate about these things. And so you can check all those things out on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. We implore you to do that because as this episode certainly proves We are not experts and we maybe are not even qualified to talk about any of this stuff. But any, we appreciate every single person that listens, every single person that watches. Always, though, a little bit of housekeeping at the end. Don't forget to support the Matty Ice Media Network and the Pub Time Podcast, mattyicemedia.com for all the podcasts that we have. Pub Time Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, they're doing a lot of fun stuff. It's been a while since you guys have been out, but I know that you have 
a lot of tricks up your sleeve for the next few weeks. Ryan's always cooking something up there in the kitchen. If you are listening in podcasting world and you're listening on Apple and Spotify, don't forget to hit follow. Don't forget to hit rate. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe is always helpful, but it is not a requirement. If you want to find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Iceman and Coach is the way to do that. And don't forget, if you want to give us a story or give us an opinion, call or text the show 703-718-6314. Coach, it's good to see you back. It's great to be back here. Hope everybody... I hope this finds everybody well. I hope this finds everybody safe. And we'll talk to you next week. This is Iceman and Coach. Opinions and viewpoints expressed on the Iceman and Coach Sports Show are those of Matt Freights, Brad Powell, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. The Iceman and Coach Sports Show is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and Brad Powell and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.